The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. The world is a cruel place filled with darkness. Especially since Rogers has set his eyes on you, Geraldine Hicks. But his eyes aren't the only two so focused, as Claire Thomas also has her own twisted plans. As the night passes on this tentacle Tuesday, the new moon has set. A new month has dawned. But one more night remains in which the cult can bring forth Igyatsu. Can you escape before that becomes a reality? Is that really a possibility for you, Geraldine Hicks? Or does fate have something else in mind, I wonder? (laughs) But before we return to our story, let me quickly remind you that once again, this podcast does contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, as well as salty, naughty language. <laughs> now, grab your tentacles, perhaps a delightful beverage and something tasty to snack upon. A leg or two, maybe an eyeball. As we begin Chapter 15, Escape Part 2. Tolan Rune felt the change in the air as he knelt in meditation before the altar of Sheklathor and frowned. As the hours passed, he became more concerned. Things were no longer going according to his plan. While the police station had been destroyed, they had also managed to stop the incarnation of the Yatsu. And while they'd still have another chance tonight, last night was their best hope. The veil had been at its thinnest and the power of the new moon at its height. Now they would need additional power to summon him from the in-between. That meant another atonement. That also meant they couldn't afford to use Hicks as the High Mother had intended. So he summoned Claire Thomas to his chambers. Master Rune, she said in almost a hiss as she prostrated herself before him. I was told that you needed to speak with me. Yes, O daughter of Cassandra. Have you been made aware of the failure of Tim Rogers? Indeed, my lord, I have. What does that have to do with me? I'm afraid it complicates our situation. We're going to need your captive for the atonement ceremony at tonight's high mass. But she's mine. She was promised to me to serve as a host for my daughter's return. All personal wants and desires fall before the rise of our god Ikyatsu. Claire grimaced and growled. As you command, my lord. Now, go and prepare your prey for Ikyatsu. Claire rose and bowed again, rage pulsing through every aspect of her mind. Cassandra had promised her. That woman was hers. How 
dare this man stand in the way of getting what the High Mother had promised. As she left the chambers, she saw the chalice used for infusion. That and the knife of Nayal Skarant. Could she? Should she? She laughed to herself. <laughs> Why not? Ikyatsu had already feasted upon her once. She shouldn't be controlled by its wants or needs. Not when the High Mother has already promised her a real life. Oh, Wendy, Michael, I will do as I planned. As I want, I will invoke the rights of Ulyamor and turn that human to a vessel for my dear, dear daughter. <laughs> the biggest issue she had was obtaining the blood from the well. It was guarded, and without permission she had no chance of stealing some blood for the ceremony. You're right, you're right. Why steal what I already contain? Oh, I'm so foolish. I don't need the original source. I can use my own blood and perform the ceremony myself. <laughs> she took the cup and dagger and slipped them into her garment, her mind filling with wonderful possibilities. Hell, if I pull this off, I can make a new husband and I can even replace the High Mother myself. Oh, Claire, you really are a naughty thing, aren't you? <laughs> She laughed as she headed out of the temple and into the woods. It was a two-mile hike along Lor's path to the hatch. As the night moved, she sped up, moving like an insect from tree to tree. Far below, she heard a voice echo off the floor of the woods. Should I rip her head off? Maybe I should just transfer myself instead. Oh, the pain that would bring him. It was Tim Rogers. She could see him moving in an odd pattern along the path. She continued to follow him at a distance, not wanting him to know that she was there. Wait, <laughs> what is he doing here? Isn't he supposed to be bringing the detective to Master Rune? Hmm, did he fail at that too? His incompetence was becoming clear. What the High Mother sees in him was beyond her understanding. Wait, he's headed for the hatch too. For some reason, it hadn't occurred to her. She started picking up her pace. He was a good half a mile ahead of her. When she arrived, as she feared the hatch had been opened, she could hear voices. Then the sound of a chair being tossed. No, no, no! She needed to stop this. She needed that woman's body. It needed to be physically able to handle the ritual. As she reached the top of the stairs, she heard Michael's voice. Get away from her! Oh, my brave little boy, you're trying to help mommy. It was a rare moment of pride. Michael had always been too much of a child, too much of a baby to be helpful. She heard Roger's laugh and Hicks scream. Wait, no, what was happening? She hurried down the stairs. Roger's marched forth, determined to end Hicks. I can't wait to twist that pretty little head of yours off and give it to Stevens as a gift. Hicks pressed herself back into the chair as far as she could. She winced as she could feel several welts swelling on her back and limbs from where the chair had met flesh and bone for the last blow. A small voice piped in from behind Rogers. Get away from her! It was Michael, taking form again. Rogers laughed at his ridiculous stance and turned around to face the child. Or what? You're not even corporeal, boy! 
Then Tim Rogers had an evil thought. Actually, he smiled maliciously. You've just given me a wonderful idea. Michael didn't like the look on his face, and any ounce of bravery he felt quickly left him. It just occurred to me on how to reset this body. This human shell. My existence. Drool was now pouring out of his mouth, and Hicks realized his intent. Michael, run, she said. Michael backed away, running into the shelves holding the mason jars. Rogers lunged at him, but as he tried to slip under him, Rogers was too fast and grabbed Michael. Michael instantly reverted into a soul ball in his hands. His light was raging wildly, going from yellow, red, and blue, swirling, trying to spill out from between his fingers, but Rogers clasped down harder, bringing him towards his widening mouth. Hicks struggled in her chair, desperately trying to free herself. She had to stop this. Rogers unlocked his jaw and placed the ball in his mouth as he held his hand over it. She could hear Michael whimpering as the ball struggled, trying to free itself. Hicks turned her head. She couldn't watch. Michael let out a desperate scream that sent chills running through Hicks's body. And Michael Thomas was no more. Light shot through Rogers, pouring out of the damaged holes and all of his orifices as he swallowed the ball, his flesh rising up off his face like clay being pulled, licking like a tongue as it wrapped around the gaping hole with a wet-sounding slosh. The bullet hole churning, twisting, and closing up as the lead slug popped out, landing on the floor with a thud as Rogers stood up, complete once more. Another scream, one filled with rage, filled the chamber. Claire stood aghast as she witnessed Michael's final moment. What have you done? Oh, hello, Claire. Rogers turned with a sneer. I was just having a little snack. My Michael, you ate my Michael. So, what if I did, he said with a shrug of indifference. He was a useless little brat. Now he serves a greater purpose. The smile Rogers wore emanated such a pure darkness, such a pure delight. I'll kill you, Claire screamed, pulling forth a stone dagger from her waist. She jumped off the stairs, pouncing on the big man, but he just swatted her away. Claire went flying, crashing into the metal shelves, knocking the mason jars, the soul jars, off the shelves, crashing into shards around her. No, 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 Claire said, her hands rummaging through the glass, desperately seeking Wendy's jar. It was gone, too, and without that. Oops. (laughs) Tim laughed, turning back to Hicks. Slowly, Claire rose, looking defeated as black fluids poured from her sliced fingers. Her voice came out in a soft, chanting manner. She didn't have much time. She needed to end Rogers and perform the ceremony on Hicks. It was the only way now to save Wendy. Rogers turned around again with complete disbelief. Really? You're kidding me. Claire's body began to flicker as tongues of red flames caressed her skin. Both of them were so focused that neither saw the shadow that slipped in from behind Hicks. Claire's head hung low as her chanting continued. She swayed with the words, the dark energy rising up from around her. As Rogers watched with an incredulous look, the blood that she spilt began to take form into silhouettes, mimicking her form and her motions. 
Rogers just tilted his head back and laughed. Ha! <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to kill you because I know the mistress had high hopes for you, but... Claire ignored him, continuing the chant. Mech Athorium Coracillit. Mech Lathorium Coracillit. The two shades moved in, grabbing each arm, pulling them back to expose his chest. Claire brandished a knife again. Brimming with confidence, she began to move forward towards him. Any last words, detective? He shook his head, completely unrepentive. Puppets from a puppet, oh Claire. And then he added, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Then Claire, with a look of pure delight, plunged a dagger directly into his stomach. I may be a puppet, she snarled, but I am still in her service. I still contain her power. But Rogers didn't even flinch. He just stood there and watched as her expression went from delight to one of pure confusion. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the family. Claire felt a tugging at the blade and looked down at the wound. Hands crept like vines, reaching until they grasped onto Claire's long, bony arms. Rogers simply shook his head. You still don't understand, do you? Claire dug in her feet, trying to pull away from Rogers as panic began to fill her eyes. The freshly formed shades began to collapse in on themselves as they were sucked into the open wound. I was born from her, Tim said. No, 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 Claire began to scream. The two, again so focused on each other, they didn't see the shadow move again. This time it brushed up against Rogers before slipping away. I was promised. I was promised a real life. A real family. I was promised a real life. I was promised a real family. I... Hicks turned away, again as Claire's limbs snapped and compacted on themselves. She screamed in pain as they continued to fold in on themselves. Like Michael, she continued to fight, to struggle, trying to pull herself out of the growing wound. But the hands pulled her back, relentlessly pulling at her. She looked at them as she begged, as she pleaded. Then she saw him, Michael, his face smiling at her as he said, Hello, Mother. Claire let out a final shriek and with a crack and a snap disappeared. Oh, that felt good, Rogers exclaimed, looking towards the ceiling, wisps of dark energy still swirling around him. Now, he continued, bringing his head down, spinning towards Hicks. Where were we? Oh, yes. I was just about to... Something hot ran through him. Through the same place where Claire had stabbed him only moments before. He looked down to see a pair of slender hands holding the blade of Bailat Nor, or Soul Ripper. The blade he'd been carrying. How? He stumbled back, his eyes looking back up towards Hicks and her tear-stained face. How? How did she get free from her bonds? Then he saw the shadow move behind the chair. It was barely a shape, but he could still make out the blurring features of Wendy Thomas. Rogers fell to his knees, vomiting black fluid, gagging, unable to speak or express himself as an oily black ooze spread across the dirt floor. 
Hicks couldn't take her eyes off of him as chunks of bones came up with each choking breath, ribs, femurs, even a few eyeballs. She felt someone tug at her. You should go, Wendy said to Hicks. But what about me? The girl laughed and then smiled brightly. With that, her dress seemed to catch fire in an unusual light as it went from black to a dazzling white. You see, I died years ago. I just didn't remember until now, the moment he broke my soul jar. My name's Nancy, Nancy Sharp. Hicks' eyes glazed over with tears. She had worked so hard in that case. They all had. Nancy had simply vanished while playing hide-and-seek in the woods. Then the Jakovich twins, Emily and Kim, followed by Alicia Cohen. All in all, twelve went missing. Nancy smiled. I know you did your best for me. For all of us. I saw it all. Then with a slight bow, she said, Thank you. As the glow encompassed her skin, breaking her down into tiny specks of light that swirled and rose up and out of the staircase. Hicks got up and followed suit, wobbling over to the stairs, focusing on the open hatch. She could feel the cool morning air, slowly pulling herself up each step until she finally reached the top step, until she finally reached the outside. The early morning light was dazzling, and a hint of frost licked the multitude of leaves that lined the woods floor. Trying to get her bearings, she listened for the sound of water. She knew that the creek ran the entire length of the wood and that if she reached it, she could follow it back either to Sim's Divide or Laura's Path. Either way, it would get her back to town, to either the precinct or to the hospital. Either way, she needed to move. But as she walked, she could feel her adrenaline rush fading. From the emotional roller coaster, her body had simply had enough. No food, little sleep, and the beating she received from Rogers. Her vision began to blur. It felt as if the trees and the brush were reaching out for her. Things took on a gray complexion, and finally, Hicks collapsed, landing into a blanket of dried leaves. Hicks passed out. Exhausted, beat to a pulp, Hicks has managed to escape the vault, only to fall in the surrounding woods. Oh dear, 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 is that really a safe place to be sleeping, my lady? And what's this? Wendy was really a lost soul belonging to one of the twelve missing girls. A girl named Nancy Sharp? It's cruel, isn't it? that the cult took these poor children to create dolls for the Lady Cassandra, which begs the question, whatever happened to the other eleven? Were their fates the same? I wonder if we'll ever know. We definitely won't find out next week. <laughs> As we return to the cottage, reunite with some old friends, perhaps make some new ones as well as the detective and Jonah prepare for the long-awaited battle against Master Rune and the evil cult. In Chapter 16, Unexpected Company. 